Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Brian Stelter's CNN reunion, the DOJ's high-end brothel investigation that could impact elected officials, according to them, and a creepy secret DNA law. Does your state have one? This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story today, Senator Tim Scott has dropped out of the presidential race to, I presume, spend more time with his girlfriend. He dropped out during an interview with Trey Gowdy on Fox News. And the announcement apparently surprised his staffers that were watching on. He didn't tell them first, I guess. What I wonder here is why drop out almost immediately after introducing his girlfriend? Real or not, how do you think she feels about this? After all of that big to-do that the media you know, went on about, about does he have a girlfriend when he's going to meet her? I mean, Fox News was the first one to, to pressure him on it. They were telling us that the big donors were saying, you need to produce this girlfriend, Tim Scott, if you want us to support you. And then he finally, after all of that, brings her out onto the national stage. Here she is, everyone. This is my girlfriend. And then immediately after, drops out of the race. I mean, she must be like, is it something I did? Did I disappoint them? How awful she must feel. I mean, she was an attractive woman. And he should have at least waited a few more weeks and done something stupid intentionally during a rally or something so that people could say that's why he dropped out of the race. Don't make the last thing that happens right before you drop out of the race is you introduce your girlfriend after pressure from everyone. Not a good boyfriend move there, Tim Scott. Unless, unless maybe, she is his real girlfriend. Maybe we were all wrong all along. And she reluctantly agreed to go out onto the national stage after the debate the other night. She was very uncomfortable with it. And maybe she said to him, Tim, I, I love you, but I, I don't think I can do this with all this attention. This is not me. Because this is not a lot of people. And, and she didn't want to do it. And so Tim maybe said, you know, if winning this election means losing you, then I choose to lose, baby, so that I can truly win. And she's the only prize that he wants. And he's a hopeless romantic and an amazing boyfriend, if that's the case. Maybe we'll know the true story one day. Someone writes a book about it. They always write books about these politicians, and they're all 100% true every single time. We know that. So dropping out boosted Nukem Nikki Haley. She got some of his people, which is weird to me, that there were people who are Republicans going, I, you know, I'm not sure yet, but I'm going either Tim Scott or Nikki Haley. But those are my two. Yeah, like, like that's it's just a weird two choices to narrow it down to from that field. Of course, who are you going to go with? Chris Christie? You're not going to go with Chris Christie. You're not going to go with Vivek because they, they don't like Vivek, people who are voting for Haley and, and Tim Scott. 
And, and you're not going to go for DeSantis. So I guess it does make a little bit of sense. Just weird bedfellows, I guess. And Chris Christie also got a little bit of a boost. He moved up one spot because Tim Scott was the only person who was ahead of him, according to a poll on who won the last debate. So he went from last to still last, but just with a smaller list of people. So good job for Chris Christie. Tim Scott, if it's any consolation, everyone wanted it to be Chris Christie that dropped out. It, it's, te- it's taken millions of dollars for Chris Christie to go from 0% before the, this whole election process started. He was at 0%. Nobody wanted him to run. Million, tens of millions of dollars later, he's all the way up to, what, 3 4% maybe? And those are all the employees at CNN and MSNBC. Talk about wasted money. I mean, that is wasted money right there on a Chris Christie campaign. You're, you're putting money in just to have this guy go out there and be unlikable and definitely not win. So that you can go, you know, spread propaganda points and have him come on your network. I guarantee you that most of his donors are, they work in the media. I should pull up his donor list. That'd be interesting to look at. I bet there's almost no real people that donated to Chris Christie. Oh my goodness, I gotta look that up. Okay. Speaking of Republican candidates for president, the media is reporting today of what they say is bombshell evidence, golden evidence, actually, CNN calls it, against Trump in the Georgia election overturn case, the racketeering case. And this evidence is it's videos connected to the first plea deals that were made in the case of you know, it was Trump's former lawyers, Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell, who the media tells us flipped and assured us that they're they're going to get Trump now because of this. I'm going to show you the clip. Let me get this up on screen here. Let's see if this is if this is as damning as they say, because they tell us that evidence is damning quite often. And sometimes it kind of disappoints a little bit. It's built up. Not so damning in the end. And my first question when I hear something like this is, why was previously not not yet seen video evidence released to the public, to the media, when it could have just been released during the – they could have just shown it during the trial if it's so damning and it could have been case closed. Let's get the hell out of here. He's gone. Lock him up. Throw away the key, and, and you know, get another candidate in there. Why didn't they do that? I have a, a few ideas. I'm sure you do as well. But let's let's hear what they have to say first. This is CNN's Aaron Burnett, the the super super always honest journalist uh, on CNN, telling us about this bombshell evidence. And you can see on screen here the name of this video on CNN's YouTube page. Legal analyst on. Golden evidence in Georgia trial. Get ready for gold. Here it is. Breaking news, ABC News, obtaining videos connected to the first plea deals in the Fulton County 2020 election. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to stop. Breaking news, ABC News. (laughs) Oh, they all report the same stuff. Breaking news, ABC News, obtaining videos connected to the first plea deals in the Fulton County 2020 election interference case. And these are something to see including former Trump campaign lawyer Jenna Ellis. She recounts a late 2020 conversation with Trump top aide Dan Scavino. Dan Scavino, you know, ran his Twitter account, was very, very close uh, with Trump. I had to stop it there. So 
it's something to see the bombshell golden evidence based on the title here. And she tells us right off the bat that it is something not that this person saw herself, but that someone who rushed into the room and she had a conversation with once again, secondhand source and hearsay. But it's something to see. She says Scavino told her that Trump would never leave the White House despite losing the election and losing multiple legal challenges. Here's what she said. She said she tells us what she said. And then here's what she said. It's really trying to program that in people's mind with a repetition there. She told us. Now let's hear it. And he said um, to me in a kind of excited tone, well, we don't care and we're not going to leave. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, the boss, meaning President Trump and everyone understood the boss. Um, that's what we all called him. Everyone knew um, it. He said the boss, uh, the boss is not going to leave under any circumstances. We are just going to stay in power. And I said to him, well, it doesn't quite work that way, you realize. And he said, we don't care. They do not care. I mean, it's pretty incredible, right? I mean, just the people <laughs> so close to Trump that just bought into this. It's pretty incredible. It's pre- it, Was that pretty incredible, what we just heard there? Or was it hearsay from a secondhand source? Let, let, let's think about that clip for a little bit there. They called him the boss. Okay, so we have Biden as the big guy. We needed Trump's comic book persona. He's the boss. The big guy versus the boss 2024. What a perfect name to call someone who is being tried for racketeering. The boss, you know, like a, like a mob boss, and they can even refer to him as that. I'm sure Fanny Fonny Willis will call him the boss at some point during that trial. And apparently Trump, or not, actually we, from a secondhand source, so-and-so says, his social media guy tells this chick that Trump's not going to leave and he's going to stay in power. You know, that's very, very compelling evidence, except there's just one problem other than the problem that it's a secondhand source. And that is Trump did leave. Trump left. This, this is not evidence. They're bending over backwards, trying to convince people that Trump knew that he lost for certain and that He told the world that he didn't, even though he knew and everybody knew that he knew. And this is evidence that he knew. Therefore, uh, this is this is not anything that would be valid in a criminal trial, evidentiary wise anyway, unless you can convince a bunch of dumb jury members, which that's part of what they're doing here, that this means anything at all. So this lawyer, too, by the way, that she's playing the clip of is the one that Garland Favrito, voter GA, told us was never Trumper before and then again after all of this happened. So why she got involved, who knows? Let's let her continue with some of the, uh, the analysis they have on this evidence. One day after that interview, Ellis pleaded guilty in the Fulton County case and that she pushed false election fraud claims and now regrets representing Donald Trump. Okay, and she was not disbarred. There's a lot of complaints um, the comments on social media. Why didn't you disbar this chick? Well, because... She allowed herself to be video recorded saying something that they could then use as a trial by media uh, piece of evidence later, and then they would let her continue to practice law. Speculation, but I have a feeling that it was something close to that. Trump's lead counsel in the case told ABC that the, quote, purported private conversation as described by Ellis was, quote, absolutely meaningless. 
ABC says Scavino has not yet commented. Comment. Out front now, Ryan Goodman, our out front legal analyst, and Jack O'Donnell, former president and chief operating officer of the Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino. Um, and, and this is obviously that we just played, Ryan, it was a day before her guilty plea. Sidney Powell, also instrumental in that, um, spoke. So you notice how they keep saying that this was the day before their guilty plea and making sure to tell the audience that they took a plea deal. This is one of their tricks for saying we didn't lie or mislead people. As we, we made it known that this was someone who might have been nudged to say a certain thing for an exchange of something else. As well, I'm going to play that in a moment. But first, Jenna Ellis, after that, uh, agreed to cooperate and testified as part of her plea. Look at this guy. Yep. Now, just that's the clip that's been released. How significant then is she? Uh, it looks like she can be very significant. She's adding something that's golden evidence for prosecutors, both in Georgia and in D.C., <laughs> potentially. In which the special is, counsel. In the special counsel, which is they don't have to prove this, but if they can show that Trump knew he lost and was still going to try to hold on to power, yes, yep. that's so, it. Like, that's so game saying, over. And that's yeah. exactly what she says is the context of the conversation. She is telling Dan Scavino, it's essentially over. We just lost the major Supreme Court case on December 11th. It's essentially and he over. says back, doesn't matter. We're staying in power. We don't care. But they don't even bring, these are journalists who don't even bring up that this is a secondhand source. She didn't hear Trump say it. And so I say journalists. I get confused myself. Shouldn't look at them as journalists because we look at them that way. We say they're doing a bad job, but that's not what they are. They're propagandists. And if we look at them as propagandists targeting their specific audience, well, they're doing a pretty good job at that. I don't know who would hire this guy here to represent them in anything. That's right. We don't care. We're staying in power. I mean, loud and clear. All right. So, Jack, <laughs> loud on this, clear. ABC also. <laughs> Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Okay. So why would they be telling us that outside of, uh, like, why not put that in the court? Obviously, this is trial by media. They know that this is not actual content that meets an evidentiary standard. I mean, it's not even, she didn't even hear Trump say it. They can't even get her saying that she heard Trump say the damning thing herself. And, and she, they put her up as Trump's lawyer. That's how weak this case is. And so they're trying to poison a public opinion about it, enough of public opinion anyway, to either get people to not vote against them or to engage in activism, along with also possibly attempting to poison the jury pool by just flooding this information out there and making it unescapable. I mean, talk, it's Fulton County, Georgia. going to be hard to find somebody who's never heard of any of this. And going to be hard to find somebody that is not, by default, kind of an anti-Trumper in Fulton County, Georgia. Here they, they play, I think this is Sidney Powell that they're going to play a clip of this time from the secret audio. 
obtained video of Sidney Powell's interview with Fulton County investigators. And I should note, she also uh, pleaded guilty as part of a plea deal. She says multiple Trump White House lawyers, multiple told Trump that he lost the election, right? This whole point that we kept honing in on for so long, right? Did people really tell him? Did he really know? She said multiple people told him he lost. And here is how she said Trump responded to that. Here's the clip. What was um, President Trump's reaction when, I guess, this cadre of advisors would say you lost? It was like, uh, well, they would say that and then they'd walk out. And he goes, see, this is what I deal with all the time. Oh, my gosh. First of all, she sets it up. She injects a bunch of things that weren't actually in the statement. And then the person asking the question, this is right before plea deals were taken, reminding. She's, the guy asking it says, when this cadre of people, this cadre, like this communist cadre of people, Talking about leading the witness there and getting what you want to get on audio. That's why he said that. He said that because he knew it was being recorded, and I guarantee you they knew that it was going to be used in the media. You don't ask a question like that in an actual deposition. What a ridiculous thing to say to someone. And, and her answer, too. She, she didn't even say. She just said that they, they walked in and told Trump, and, and he said, you, you see what I got to deal with? Ah, as though that is some sort of indication of guilt of anything. This is the best that they have. Let's see what their commentary on it was. She throws her hands up in the air. I guess it it seems Jack is mimicking uh, the former president. Of course. But she says they walked in, multiple of them, then they'd walk out after telling him he lost. And he goes, see, this is what I deal with all the time. Uh, Does this sound like the Trump that you know? (laughs) Well, it is the Trump that we know, Aaron. Um, You know, he just, you know, refuses to believe bad news, number one. And then, as we all know, he lives in an alternate world when it comes to to the law, you know. I'm sure that, like, I'm surprised they didn't just kill that guy right there because he just said he refuses to believe bad news. The whole premise that she just set up was that he did believe the bad news, yet he continued to tell people the opposite of the bad news anyway. And this guy just screwed the whole operation up right here. Look at her. Look how she's rolling her eyes there. He, he believes that he's above the law on, on everything. And so it, it really doesn't matter to him the significance of, 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 a, of a peaceful transition of power or whether it's something in his business. If he doesn't believe in the law, he just ignores it. Um, all right. That's enough of that. This is their evidence they have. Anyway, he wasn't the only, or the, this group, his collection of winners, weren't the only ones who were talking about Trump and media today. We had an old favorite, an old familiar. Brian Stelter was back at CNN with a reunion because he's promoting a new book that he has out. And he's telling us how Trump is an isolationist fascist in this new book. And, uh, you know, I used to play a lot of clips of Stelter. So I thought I ought to at least play one again for old time's sake, where he's kind of talking about what his new book is about, what's inside of this definitely bestseller that he's recently published. Next guest has a whole new book telling about the origin story of Trump trying to tear down the guardrails of American democracy and the right-wing media's mission to put him back in office in 2024. We are so happy to be joined by our friend and former CNN anchor, Brian Seltzer, who's the author of Network of Lies, the epic saga of Fox News, Donald Trump, and the battle for American democracy. So good to have you, friend. Good morning. So great to be here. Congratulations. Thank you. 
early in the book, let me read, this is page eight, right before you get into part one, quote, hopefully you'll come away feeling the way that I do, empowered and equipped to tell the truth more loudly than ever. You're still hopeful. Absolutely. Because I think most people just want to know what's real and true in the world. And that's why the the so-called network of lies, this disinformation machine that includes parts of Fox News, but also, you know, the Steve Bannons of the world, right wing podcasts, all that that machinery that's trying to reelect Donald Trump. Uh, It is important. It's got to be reckoned with. It's got to be scrutinized. It deserves all that scrutiny. But most people actually still want to know what is real and true in the world. You know, you have to be louder than the liars in this environment. He's here to tell us. The liars come in lots of different directions. You know, just the other day, I was almost fooled by some AI deep fake from the Trump campaign, trying to trick people into thinking NBC was saying something that wasn't. A lot of that noise is out there. And of course, we in the media, we get to help break through that noise. So they get to help break through that noise. They should put that, uh, that AI image on screen that he's talking about. Maybe it's true. I don't know. I'll look into it, but they should back that up by actually showing it to people instead of running through it. I, I will point out here, it says on screen, I did not know this, that Brian Stelter is obviously the author of this new book they're letting him promote, but he is also a special correspondent for Vanity Fair. I did not know that. I knew that he was doing stuff with the Shorenstein Center over there at Harvard as uh, or working with their digital literacy stuff, which he's going to talk about here in, in a second. So let me cue up that clip. But Brian Stelter is the man who is going to tell us about the origin of Trump trying to tear down the guardrails of American democracy. He's going to help people know what's real and what's true. Obviously, he's the man to do that. Is there anybody else you can think of? Not me. Nobody that America trusts more than this face right here. Now, Stelter talks about media literacy, which is what he works on at the Shorestein Center. And that's what was happening with the big lie in 2020. And again, it continuing to this day, this idea of an alternative reality of what Naomi Klein calls the mirror world, uh, where you can believe whatever you want to believe. But I, I still, I came away from this believing there is still uh, ability to, to make change. Uh, some people can still be shamed into doing the right thing. Uh, you know, there are many Republican lawmakers, elected officials, who are still in a reality-based environment who do want to do what's best. Uh, of course, what they're up against is that kind of extremist rhetoric that we're hearing from Trump. So he was asked about media literacy and how AI affects it and what he thinks can be done about it. And his answer there was people can still be shamed into believing the correct truth that people like Brian Stelter tell all the time. And in his book, a little bit more about his book in case you are interested in picking up a copy of, like I said, this is sure to be a bestseller. Let me get this is from an interview that he did with it's called uh Pointner, I think it's like a journalism. Yeah, it's one of those groups that gets a bunch of money from like groups like George Soros, possibly George Soros, and they determine some of the standards of the the fake media. And this is a Q and A that he did about his new Fox News book, and the book is called Network of Lies. And then you have a photo here of Stelter looking like he's demonstrating how to choke a small child's neck with his hands. And the book, which again is titled 
What an awful title. It's called The Network of Lies, The Epic Saga of Fox News, Donald Trump and the Battle for American Democracy. And it looks back at the network's relationship with former President Donald Trump, especially the conspiracy surrounding Trump's, quote, big lie that the election was stolen from him. So just feeding right. I wonder if they're going to quote this book in that trial in, in Fulton County. That would be hilarious if they cited this as some sort of source. During the interview with this network or this outlet here, Stelter said that Rupert Murdoch advocated his duty as the head of a major media company. That and he said that was one of his conclusions after reading the transcript of his deposition in the Dominion Voting Systems case. He said the deposition is something to behold since Rupert is never questioned in public. The transcript is akin to his most in-depth interview in a decade. And he said if you believe his sworn testimony, then he was AWOL, Stelter declares, while Fox pushed a stolen, quote, stolen election story that helped Trump attempt a coup. Then he said he knew the lies Rupert Murdoch did were damaging everybody, but did not lay a finger on the Fox News liars he then said that his view is that media owners must not meddle in truthful news coverage, but they must intervene when real reporting is replaced by malicious lying. And that Rupert failed the test in 2020, and so did his son, Latchlan, L-A-C-H-L-A-N. It's an interesting name. And he went on to say that his sense is that uh, Lachlan, uh, yeah, Lachlan, that's what it is, dislikes Trump, but cares a whole lot more, or he... Yeah, he dislikes Trump, but cares a whole lot more about business metrics like political ad spending than Trump's dangerous descent into fascist rhetoric. What a character this guy is. It, it is impressive, honestly, how these people are able to lie with such a straight face. Like, I would think they would crack and break character and just be like, Aren't, don't you know we're lying to you? It's something because it's just so... They're, they're such blatant liars. Some of them might be true believers. Stelter's not one of them. Stelter's a con artist. There's no doubt about that. Stelter, speaking of strange things to name your child, he, he named his son Story. Story Stelter is the name of his son. What an awful thing to name your child. He's going to get teased at school because Stelter is egotistical and thought he needed to name his son after his job. I guess I shouldn't say his job. After what he pretends to be at his job. A, a journalist who tells a story. That's what he names his kid after. And following that same theme, he named his daughter after something else that he pretends to be. He named his daughter Hetero Stelter. All right, moving on. There's an interesting story here from Wired. Well... It was Wired where I originally read it, but when I went to go pull it up again, it was a paywall, so here's the Fox News version of the story. This is about how in New Jersey, I should say this, when we're born in any state in the country, in America, doctors take pinpricks of the, the newborn baby's blood to test it for like 30 or so different diseases or whatnot. And most states make that mandatory. It's mandatory here in Georgia. It's mandatory in New Jersey, the specific story that we're going to be talking about here. And some states keep it for a period of time. And apparently in New Jersey, they hang on to that blood from the, these newborns and the DNA that's within it. They, they hold on to it 
after that pinprick for 23 years. And they've been doing so without knowledge or consent of the parents. And not only that, once new, the state of New Jersey, once they have the newborn baby's blood, they can do whatever they want with it according to this law, including selling it to third parties, giving it to police without a warrant, or even selling it to the Pentagon to create a registry, which has previously happened in Texas. That's actually happened before because these states are creepy. It just reminds me of Bibi Netanyahu talking about the database of everybody's DNA and everybody's health profile in Israel and begging Fauci to use Israel and the public there as a testing ground, just a, a Petri dish to find out what happens to people with various conditions from, with various backgrounds and various ethnicities. This kind of reminds me of that. So the only way parents in New Jersey were able to learn about this, apparently, about how long they were retaining the DNA and how they could use it, is by proactively looking their child up on one of these third, a third-party website that was listed on the bottom of a card they were given after, after the blood was drawn. This is according to a new federal class action lawsuit by New Jersey parents challenging this law. You got to read the fine print. It was at the bottom of this card that they were given after their kid was born. And that is the time to give it to them. Their baby's born. They're happy. They just want to see their baby. Here's a card with the blood test information. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick it in their wallet. They don't even look at it because they're, they're not told about any of this. They're just told we're testing for diseases. It'll be fine. And oh, by the way, you got to get a microscope to read that we can do anything we want in this blood, which is written at the bottom of this card in like 1.5 font. New Jersey isn't the only one that has faced legal problems with the lack of consent when it comes to obtaining this blood. Texas, Minnesota, Michigan, they've all faced lawsuits over retention of blood samples without informed consent from the parents. A 2009 lawsuit in Texas resulted in the state destroying 5.3 million blood samples, and now blood samples obtained after 2012 must be destroyed after two years. So only two years can they do anything they want with your baby's blood. It's just two years. It's nothing. That's two, two short years. Just let them do whatever with the baby's blood. They can inject it. They can give it to Hillary Clinton, whatever. At least it's not 23 years. A 2014 settlement in the Minnesota lawsuit resulted in 1.1 million blood samples being destroyed. In 2022, Michigan agreed to destroy 3 million blood spots, but, uh, but a lawsuit continues to move forward in that case. Now, in the Texas case, what they did there, was they sold, traded, bartered, and distributed baby's blood to private companies in the Pentagon without asking or telling the parents after taking the, the blood as part of Texas' mandatory newborn screening program. And according to that lawsuit, blood from 8,800 babies was sold or traded for lab equipment from private companies for unknown purposes and to the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology. We just need you to give us the baby's blood and not ask any questions. Do you understand? Deal, said Texas. In December 2020, it was revealed that investigators in California had sought to access newborn screen samples uh, for, for a criminal investigation purposes and made at least one arrest using the genetic material obtained. Now, in Georgia, for those listening in Georgia, like I said, it's mandatory here, the blood screening, and the blood is retained here for 12 weeks unless the blood specimen comes back presumptive positive for any of the diseases that they screen for. 
and then they will be hanging on to the blood for two years. And they seem to have ways where you can object, and they, and they do ask, at least it says on the website here, before they sell it off or give it to anybody else. Now, I don't know how they ask, if it's a tricky way that they get a yes, but the laws here are not as bad as those other laws, but still probably a little bit tricky if I had to guess. Speaking of that DNA, new DNA testing has been completed on the 27-year-old jean Bernay Ramsey murder case. Very, very famous murder case in the conspiracy world, especially. New evidence, as well as some of which was previously reviewed, has been analyzed by a criminal lab and returned to police. They did this a couple weeks ago, and police just got it back yesterday. And the results have not yet been released, but a detailed DNA report has been issued to the authorities. Maybe they'll find something, and they'll finally give the public an answer to this case that captured uh, the country's attention. It was, I'm sure most people listen to this show are familiar with the John Bernay Ramsey case. She was the beauty pageant. She won like whatever state she was in. She was like the winner of that. She's a six-year-old winner of that beauty pageant. And like six hours after she disappeared, she was found in the basement of her family's home, strangled to death or something like that and hit over the head. It was, it was the day after Christmas, an awful, awful story. And again, you look up conspiracies surrounding this story and you'll have a field day. But there's also a ransom note the demanding $118,000 from her family. And her dad's the one who discovered her body. And both her mom and dad and even her brother, who was, I think, it was nine at the time that she died. They've all, at one point in time, been kind of under investigation until 2008 when they were formally taken off of the suspect list a couple of years after the mom, uh, John Bernays' mom, died of cancer. Now, the detectives are apparently looking at new people of interest. They apparently have like a pretty good list of people that they maybe they looked at before, but that they're reinvestigating. Maybe there's some new suspects here after analyzing a thousand DNA samples. So I've been talking about this new, quote, cutting edge DNA, GNA, or not GNA, genetic genealogy, DNA testing, where they we keep seeing these stories pop up about how they solve this cold case with this new sophisticated creepy DNA testing and I even went through some of the the fine print on one of these companies they were using which is kind of similar to what the fine print in New Jersey is where they can just do anything with DNA once they take it and they can get DNA from the air it's, it's crazy especially when there's been examples of cases where the DNA testing has been wrong they say it's usually like not wrong most of the time but Sure as hell sucks to be that one time, doesn't it? And all this stuff, it just reminds... It's like the vaccine. It's like you're experimenting with stuff. I don't know how much we should trust. I'd like to see them solve this case, though, for sure. Who knows? So I'm going to do one more story and then do a couple quick XR stories. The last story I'm going to do here is going to be about this broth, high-end brothel network that apparently involves military, elected officials. It was in the Virginia, Virginia CIA area. And I'm going to read through the uh, Justice Department's actual press release on it and uh, talk about it for a second, see what you guys think. And then in the XR, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what this pet sitter app, Somebody, I'm going to just give you guys kind of a warning if you use this pet sitter app because you want to be careful because it's a real jerk. 
who was trying to screw somebody over on one of these things. And also, uh, this plane flight that took off with a window open. Can you imagine how a plane takes off with a window open? You're, you're sitting on that plane. That's what we're going to talk about the DMBXR. If you want to get that DMBXR, which is the subscriber-only content, go to patreon.com, slash propaganda report. Subscribe there. What you'll get is DMB ad-free. I take out all the ads for subscribers, and I combine it with the subscriber-only content. It goes into one private RSS feed, your personal RSS feed that you can pop into any podcast player and listen to the show as soon as it uploads to Patreon. All right. On to the final story of the day. Let me get this. Justice Department high-end brothel network press release up. Of course, it's not their high-end brothel network, not as far as we know. And I would never say that ever. Here it is right here. Three arrested for operating high-end brothel network. Now, I'm just going to go through this. The Justice Department has arrested three people in connection with operating a sophisticated high-end brothel in greater Boston and East Virginia. Commercial sex buyers allegedly included elected officials, high-tech and pharmaceutical executives, doctors, military officers, government contractors that possess security clearances, professors, attorneys, scientists, and accountants, among others. What about plumbers, landscapers? What about podcasters? Any podcasters in there? Web designers, coders? According to the charging documents, from at least July 2020, the defendants operated an interstate prostitution network with multiple brothels in Cambridge and Watertown, Massachusetts, as well as Fairfax and Tysons, Virginia. Fairfax is, is where the CIA is. That, that's where all the spooks are. These guys must not have talked to the expert before they started bringing prostitutes over the border and having sex with them. They, they didn't talk to Hunter Biden first, who would have told them, hey, you need, to, you need to make the prostitute an employee. Give them a title at your fake business that has a, a shell LLC attached to it. And they would have known better. You got to give them a fake title at your shell organization. But they didn't ask Hunter Biden. you got to ask the expert first. It is alleged that the defendants collectively established the infrastructure for brothels in multiple states, which they used to persuade, induce, and entice women, primarily Asian women, to travel to Massachusetts and Virginia to engage in prostitution. Now, I wonder if we're going to find out about a Chinese spy angle to this story as it continues to develop. The press release continues to say... The defendants allegedly advertised their prostitution network primarily on two websites, Boston 10, okay, Boston T-E-N, and then number, the number 10.com. If, how can you be on a website that is B-O-S-T-O-N-T-O-P-T-E-N, and then the number 10.com, and not know you're, you're getting into some shady stuff here? This is not a credible website, bostontop1010.com. And the other one was Brown Eyes Girls. So it was Brown Eyes Girls, not Brown Eye Girl. Brown Eyes Girls, VA, Virginia, dot blog. That's, a, that's definitely a porn blog. How do you not know that's definitely a porn blog? Brown Eyes Girls, VA, dot blog. And what these two websites did was offer appointments with women in either greater Boston or eastern Virginia. 
Both websites purported to advertise nude Asian models for professional photography at upscale studios as a front for prostitution. That's not a very good good front. It's a little too close. You might you might want to make it a little a little less on the nose there. It, it's just like our our almost prostitution website is a front for our actual prostitution website. So it was a front for the prostitution services, which were offered through appointments with the women listed on the sites. The website listed the height, weight, and bus size of the women available for appointments and depicted nude or semi-nude photographs for each. That, see, that's going to be your giveaway right there. If the nude photos and the offering of Asian women, the platter of Asian women, then the height, weight, and bus size of the women is going to make, oh, I just thought it was a nudie photo thing, but now I know it's a prostitution site. It, it's, get this right here. Each website allegedly described a verification process that interested buyers undertook to be eligible for appointment booking. So, so you had to like be selected. You could get turned away from this. How lucky are the people who got turned away from this? They just went to the dirty cash only non-digital prostitutes that nobody's tracking and they're, they're probably not going to get roped into this investigation. But there's like a, an exclusiv- exclusivity to this high-end brothel. And what they had to do is they required clients to complete a form providing their, na- their full names, their email addresses, their phone number, their employer and references if they they had to re, they had to supply references to, look you know you call your buddy if you tell him you left him as a hey man i if somebody calls you i left you as a reference he's like oh you, you trying to get a new job he's like no trying to get a hooker just tell him i'm cool i'm not going to murder him it's going i'll be in and out and the guy's like, okay it's can you imagine getting a phone call like that yes we're calling from Boston1010.com and Brown Eyes Girls VA. And we'd just like to ask you a few questions about your buddy Jake. It is further alleged that the defendants maintained local brothel phone numbers, which they used to communicate with verified customers and scheduled appointments via text message. Again, if you're having to leave a reference and you're also text messaging about the services, Not a good thing to do in these text message exchanges. The defendants allegedly sent customers a menu of available options at the brothel, including the women and sexual services available and hourly rate. Additionally, defendants allegedly texted customers directions to the brothel's location, which is a high-end apartment where they engaged in commercial sex with the women. And according to the charging documents, the defendants charged sex buyers a premium price for appointments with the women advertised on their site, which ranged from approximately $350 and, and, and upwards of $600, $600 per hour, depending on the services, and they were paid in cash. So after all of that documentation, they're like, we only take cash. The defendants allegedly concealed the proceeds. This is so this is how they hid it or tried to hide it, what they were doing. They concealed the proceeds of the net prostitution network through depositing hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash proceeds into their personal bank accounts and peer-to-peer transfers. Additionally, it's alleged that they used 
hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash proceeds from the prostitution business to purchase money orders and values under an amount that would trigger reporting and identification requirements in order to conceal the source of the funds, which they obviously didn't do. These money orders were then used to pay for rent and utilities at the brothel locations in Massachusetts and Virginia. Over the course of the investigation, a wide array of buyers were identified, including but not limited to politicians, high-tech and pharmaceutical executives, maybe Fauci's having a bowl of cereal for breakfast and a prostitute for lunch. Come on, I'm a hungry guy. Military officers, government contractors that possessed, as they said, security clearance, and blah, 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 all those other people. These people are going to be really upset if they reveal who if they're revealed and they end up going to prison while Hunter Biden, who very provably flew prostitutes across the country to have sex with him and then gave them a title at his shell organization, which they never worked. It, wow. I mean, this could just be some sort of threat to people. Who knows the truth of it? But this is this is the type of thing that, that they do. I wouldn't surprise me if these Defendants or whoever helped them set it up were Fed agents themselves trying to get, you know, freshman congressmen and senators compromised with one. Hey, you want to meet this hot Asian $3,500 a month place? Just give us your social, your best reference, your phone number, and we're going to text everything. Very, very stupid. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And remember... Do not text message your social security number to a prostitute.